up your chair, kids. It's time for your gaming grandpas to tell you about the games they've been playing. <laughs> Podcast, the flagship podcast of the All Ports Open Network. This is episode number 44 for Monday, January 14th, 2019. I'm your host, Joshua Wise, and with me, as always, shaking his cane and anybody who happens to walk All by. All these damn kids on my lawn. Um, and, and, oh man, that's so literally true around here so it often. Is. <laughs> uh, Mr. Blaine Martin. Hello. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. Glad to hear it. Um, yeah, I it's not a metaphor around no, here. No, there's it's, a lot of damn kids on my lawn. They just walk across our lawn as if just because it's on a corner. Um, yeah, yeah, and then you've got all the church kids when it's nice out playing yep. in the lawn and the daycare kids. And, I think they think because it's a big stone building that it's not a house. Yeah, um, yeah, we get a lot of a lot of passers by who yeah. just wander through our yard. Yeah, it's it's. It's real weird. We need to have like a uh, a scare blane out there, just like a, a the chair that I sit in. I, <laughs> I imagine you doing that in suspenders and a straw hat and with a uh, with a, a cane, just shaking it at. Pretty sure I have all of those things. <laughs> and the the cane is uh, like a bamboo style cane. Yeah, that's uh, that's my picture in my head. Um, <laughs> it is shockingly accurate i uh i imagine if if things go poorly and uh i guess it depends on your perspective if things go poorly from one perspective or well from another perspective and you're here in 35 years (laughs) that that's exactly what's happening it really will be um just out there with a bartles and james and (laughs) Mm, Bartles and James. Oh man, do they even do that? Is that a thing still? I think so. All right. If not, there's at least I, I think Seagram's makes like a hard, right? Sure, hard beverage. Many many hard beverages out there now. Zima's back. Yes, I've heard that. I've heard that Zima is back. Um, we have a Zima sign in the uh, all seasons room. It's real weird. Tony, uh, Tony gifted that to Ben at some point uh-huh. uh, because Tony actually legitimately likes Zima because he's a monster, uh-huh. uh, and we made fun of him incessantly uh, for it. And his gift to us was a light up Zima sign. It seems appropriate for this group of people. Um, so we are here to talk about the games that we got for Christmas and the games that we've played for Christmas. I'm going to talk about a game I played. It's not a game, and I didn't play it. But Interesting. I'm going to talk about it as if it were first before we bust into this. Oh, my. And uh, and this certainly goes along with the old man thing. Um, I'm going to talk about the game I played called Let's Build a Model. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, I... So last year... I bought a um, a TIE fighter model. And I thought, and I thought, like, oh, I'm going to put that together. And, you know, and I bought some glue and, and did all that stuff. And it turns out that it's actually really difficult these days to get 
a Star Wars model that isn't a snap together. And so I started gluing this model together and realizing, oh, this is a snap together. <laughs> the gluing together isn't really hurting anything, but I, it's a it's an extra step that's not Yeah, it's un- unnecessary. So I enjoyed that immensely, and then I asked for an X-Wing last Christmas and got it. And uh, and then just before Christmas, I put it together. I was like, I'm going to sit down. I've graded all my papers. I'm <laughs> This is my reward. This is my reward. I'm going to put this X-Wing together. And I got the fever. I got the model building fever. You know, like that 1980s song, model building fever, yeah. Um, <laughs> yes, that was at the top of the charts. Top of the charts right after Pac-Man fever. Um, <laughs> There's a lot of fever in the 80s. It's it was a very true. sick era. <laughs> Herpes was everywhere. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I was like, oh, I, I really want another model to build. And... Uh, and I put one on my Christmas list and no one got it for me. Uh-huh. <laughs> so Christmas day, I was like, well, screw this. I got some money for Christmas. I'm getting myself a model. I'm buying myself this, uh, Sherman tank <laughs> and these, these model paints. And I'm going to put this tank together. And I'm in the process of building that tank now, but sitting on my wish list for this year, which is not going to remain on my wish list, <laughs> um, are some, like there's an A wing, oh, all of the ships. There's Slave One, which I'm like, I really want to build That's Slave One. Be so cool. Yeah. So I, uh, I've caught the model building fever, <laughs> fever. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah. Oh, there's a snow speeder that uh, that from Empire that I'm really looking forward to building. We need to set up a camera and you like just, just live stream, just live stream building me, me building stuff. Yeah. So the difference, I like the good thing about so the tank that I'm building is um is glue. Okay. Like it's a, it's an actual. I think it's a Ravel uh, glue model, and um the good thing about that is that you don't want to rush through building that. Yeah. You Yeah, you need to take your time. You do a few things in one day, you let it sit, you come back the next day, do a couple more things. So I'm letting that cuz I have the fever so badly now that I think I would just bust through like six or seven <laughs> models and be like, "Oh, I'm out $200 <laughs> and like all the models are built." Uh so yeah, so that's we're just going to start a model building podcast. <laughs> All right, then. Um, Ooh, what if we did a model building co- podcast, but it was just me and models? <laughs> models on me. models. Yeah, it was just me and my co-hosts were a bunch of models. <laughs> and we talked about, about building models. There we go. I once hired, when I ran a hobby store back in 2001, I hired a friend of my brother's, uh, a young woman named Serena, who was very attractive. And... um. I hired her because she was super sweet and um, you didn't need to really know anything about hobbies to work at the hobby store. Yeah. And uh, attractive ladies at nerd shops is like the greatest investor business can make. Yes, exactly. Um, And so I thought, yeah, well, you know, maybe not bring fewer dorks in and um, maybe just some normal people. 
And uh, Serena was a great employee. She she did the things that she needed to do, which was largely just straightening shelves because there were no customers <laughs> in the store. Um, but my boss, the regional manager, who was a great guy named John, I loved John. Um, and that job actually got me some good lifelong friends. But John was not let's say the most open-minded person when it came to ladies mm. working in the hobby store. So John, when interviewing Serena was like, so uh, have you ever done any modeling? <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, Oh, well, you know, I've done a little bit, blah, blah, blah. And John's like, Oh, well, that's not what I meant. And, and it's like, okay, dude, but that's not, you would never ask another guy. So, uh, you ever do any modeling? <laughs> You'd be like, do you build models? Yeah. Like, have you, like, you ever built any models? You like models? You, uh, I like models. I like models, too. John was a John was a, a good guy. John was a very sort of grandfatherly <laughs> kind of guy. He had been a cop in the in the military. He was he was a great guy. Uh, that like, yeah, I don't think he was was huge on the idea of like young women working <laughs> at the store. Um, cause you know, what do they know about it? Uh, if you've never built a model. You don't have a place here. Right. Exactly. Uh, so, um, so that, uh, that might've been the last time I built a model <laughs> was when I was working at that store. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm playing that game now and enjoying it. So I, uh, I, as a child tried uh-huh. to build a model once as some kind of car. I don't sure, remember sure. what kind, uh, but like. On step like fifty, uh-huh. I realized I missed a very early step. Yep, uh, and the model was completely unsalvageable. Yep, uh, so I cut it into pieces and used the box to make a chop shop and created like <laughs> a little a little playset uh, chop shop playset with the awesome. ruins of a car that I fucked up. <laughs> That's really good. Uh, uh, and then I never modeled again. Well. <laughs> Not with models, anyway. <laughs> yeah, not not with not with models. Right. But. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's talk about what we actually talk about on the show, which is games. Uh, what'd you get for for the holiday, sir? Uh, I got a whole bunch of games, really. Um, so you and Ben bought me Fallout, yes. which uh, I haven't gotten to play yet, but I'm really excited to try because I've heard exceptional things about it. Uh-huh. It's a Fallout thing, so yeah. of course I'm going to play it. Well, is that true though? I, I mean, I guess. I haven't played 76 yet. Yep, there you go. <laughs> uh, it's the only... I played Brotherhood of Steel for the original Xbox, which is a garbage <laughs> fire of a game. Uh-huh. Uh, so that shows you, I guess, where 76 is. Ooh, asterisk. Uh, speaking of weird games that shouldn't be on consoles, I just got to add to my my collection of Esoterica. Uh, I have a collection of Zork stuff. Um, and I have some, like... I mean, there, there's, like, really rare stuff that I don't have. But I have the vast majority of, like, the normal stuff. But I just got from eBay from Japan the PlayStation edition of Zork 1. It's a text adventure on a PlayStation. It has some, like, line art and some music. That's real weird. Yeah, it's real weird. Um, I don't... I don't. Why did, why did you do that, PlayStation? It's real strange, right? But but it's one more thing I could get for it was like fifteen bucks. Yeah. So and there you go, one more one more Zork thing. Yep. Um. But so other than Fallout, uh, which I haven't played yet, I uh, I bought myself some games with the various like Amazon gift cards and whatnot that I received. Right. 
Um, so I bought Terraforming Mars, which uh, I haven't played my own personal copy yet, but is a game that I've talked a lot about on this podcast. Right, yeah. Uh, I really like it, and I wanted to finally own it. The big thing, though, um, which we've both gotten to do yeah. uh, some playing of, was I bought Betrayal Legacy. Nice. Um, what we're doing, what I'm doing with my copy is, uh, I'm, we're going to slowly play through it. Nope. That's not true. <sighs> that's not true. Immediately. I'm calling you out as a liar. Yeah, I mean, we did play two sessions in one, one night. You've played the intro and two more sessions, right? Uh, well, yes. So we finished chapter two last night. Right. Yeah. Um, but so I'm not going to play it with the same group necessarily right. every time. Uh, but we're going to play it at Saturday Night Strategists, our board game meetup, um, so that the kind of final copy of Betrayal that we have when the campaign is over has been kind of touched by all of our... Uh, and it, it is specifically the version of that game for our board game group. Yes. Yeah. So it's going to be the Saturday Night Strategist uh, Betrayal at House on the Hill when it's done. Um, <laughs> but so you, you played um, the prologue. Right. And then the prologue was pretty quick, so we played chapter one after that a couple weeks ago. Um, and then last night we played uh, chapter two. Right. Um, and it is, it's just so well done. Um, I'm really looking forward to, I in a lot of ways, I don't want to play it again until maybe chapter four, because I play the prologue. I'm really interested in like touching it. Maybe like a third of the way through. Every and then, couple of hundred years. Yeah, exactly. Like getting at it um, maybe two more times, I would say, before it's complete. Yeah. And then playing it after that. But I really like, I like what they're doing with it a lot, at least from what I've seen. Yeah, it's just, it's well done. And we talked a little bit about this when they first kind of announced some of the, the like the play style of it. But it starts in 1666. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it goes about every 30 years, you play a chapter that is some new event in the house and the house grows over time. Like in the prologue, it was like a five room, relatively small house and each game you add more tiles and it becomes a larger and larger house. Um, and you're playing members of the same families. Um, so you have five families and each generation you name a new person in the family and play that character. And you can have, you have items that become family heirlooms, uh, which mean that they're more effective if someone in the family uses it. It's just, it's such a, a cool take on the legacy concept. I really like the idea too, that if it's only 30 years apart, it's possible to have a character return to the house again if they survived and they were young enough. Yeah. And that's what, when we played the prologue, Jared played like a 12 year old or so, and he was the survivor and he played himself again. He played the same character as like a 42 year old man. Right. Uh, living in the house, basically shaking his cane. <laughs> uh, chapter one, this is not a major spoiler, uh, for anyone who's listening, but it does, I will reference. Uh, chapter one starts with him living in the house alone and the rest of the family's trying to break in. Okay. And he's throwing rocks at them to try and scare them off. Um, and it actually starts like, he picked one person to have taken one physical damage uh-huh. uh, because he hit them with a rock before the start of the game. <laughs> um, but it's just cool the way the stories unfold and they have a, a journal that at different points in uh, the different chapters, you read sections of it that build out the lore of the house. Uh-huh. Um, and it's just uh, Rob Davio did an incredible job um, melding 
the trail at House on the Hill and the legacy concept. Yeah, that's it's it's really cool, and I like the idea that if SNS lasts for three to five years more, the idea that p- new people who come in right in two years or three years play this version. And what they're doing is playing a version of this that has been created by this group that they're coming into that, uh, that has all this history. Yeah. And it's just, it's so, it's so cool. And I love the idea that we won't get to play for years right. with this thing that we as a group created. Yeah. Uh, again, um, taking time with it may be the better. Yeah. And I mean, if we option. do, if we do one chapter, even if we do it, uh, at every board game night, we have two board game nights a, a month, so mm-hmm. that's still a good six months of play. Well, four more months of play, right? It's like ten chapters, isn't it? Thirteen. It's thirteen. Okay, so, so we have eleven more chapters. So okay. If we okay, sure. Yeah, if we play it every other week, one chapter. Right. It's a good five months. I think the uh, if if it were me, and it's not, but if it were me, I'd I'd try to make it a year long thing. Yeah, and I think that's probably we'll probably do it like once a month. Like maybe right. maybe do the first Saturday of the month. I will offer up a chapter. Sure, if folks yeah. are interested, and it, it won't always be the case, especially on the summer months. Like attendance drops and yeah. all that stuff. So cool. Um, any other games that you got for Christmas? Oh, one more um, that I think you'll be interested in trying. Okay, I picked up uh, a base set of Arkham Horror the card game. Oh, awesome. Yes, I do want to check Which that out. Which is real good. I did. It's So the base set, it's a Fantasy Flight game, so they have modeled it to make as much money as humanly possible. Sure. Uh, it is up to four players, but the base set only plays one to two. Oh. So you have to buy two copies of the base set if you want to be, play four players. Sure. Um, but basically, you can play free play. Um, it's deck building, not like Dominion, but more like you build a magic style deck. Oh, okay. Um, out of the cards that you have. Um, are you fighting a great old one? So there are different, like different stories you could play. Um, and it plays, it's plays very similarly to like Arkham Horror Eldritch Horror, just with way less setup time and way less components. Um, but you have an act deck. And a agenda deck. Okay. And the agenda is what the enemy is trying to do. The act is the base story. And essentially what you're trying to do is progress through the act deck before the agenda deck progresses through. Sure. Okay. Um, and much like the Arkham and Eldritch Horror games, you're trying to find clues at different locations to push the acts forward. And every turn a doom token gets put on the agenda and every certain number of doom tokens the agenda moves forward one card. Gotcha. Um, but basically it just plays out where you're in Arkham. There are different locations. You move your investigators around and there are different ways to discover clues at those locations. Cool. Yeah, I definitely want to check that out. Um, but they do. So the base set has a three game campaign. Okay. And then there are this year they're going to be releasing their fourth expansion. Uh-huh. The expansions, again, Fantasy Flight, sure, uh, include a base set for the expansion, which is like 25 or 30 bucks, and that adds like 60 new cards and two scenarios in a eight-game campaign. And then there are booster packs oh. for each other chapter in the campaign. 
So you end up buying a base set and six booster packs for each expansion. Huh. Um, which ends up getting you like 250 new cards and an eight game campaign. What does that like end up being? About a hundred bucks per expansion? expansion campaign. What? Um, yeah. It's so if you wanted to buy everything that currently exists for a four player game, it would be like $350. That's too much. Three expansions and you need two copies of the base set. You only need one copy of each expansion though. Wow. Um, but the campaign play is pretty cool. Like you gain experience and you use that to like upgrade cards and buy new uh-huh. cards for your deck. Um, so basically like when you play the first mission of the first campaign, you start with like a base deck list. Uh-huh. And then you can buy like upgraded versions of certain cards or add certain cards to your deck. Um, by spending the experience you get between games. So it's a really cool concept. It is definitely expensive to get sure, into. Yeah. Um, I think I'll probably buy at least like one of the expansions, uh-huh. um, at least over time, if people are interested in playing it. So here's my question. Like, is it worth, maybe you don't know this yet, but let's say I buy the base game. Is it worth replaying the base game multiple times? So the base game has the three-story campaign, and then it's got, I think, like five other stories you could play that are like kind of one-offs. Okay. Um, and I, like it, supposedly it plays out pretty differently each time depending on the investigator you use and the deck you build. Okay. So apparently there is, I know from people I've talked to, a decent amount of replayability. Okay. Um, of those same stories. Right. So that's a thing that I'm not sure about yet to talk about my first game which is Mansions of Madness. So I got Mansions of Madness 2nd Edition, and um, it's, again, Fantasy Flight, Arkham Horror Universe. Yeah. Um, I think they call it Arkham Horror Stories. I think that's the name of their their little money <laughs> money, money machine. machine. Yeah. Um, and uh, I guess it's the way to brand something that is public domain. Yeah. So... We played the first adventure of it a couple of nights, about a week ago, and I really enjoyed it. And I was a little bit surprised to find that they were doing the thing that I sort of feel like all board games should be doing now, which is creating a desktop app that tells you the things. Yeah, it's such a good idea as Mm -hmm. far as, especially a game like that where there's like all sorts of varying components right. to it uh having something that manages all of that because that's part of what makes like arkham horror and eldritch horror a nightmare right is all of the stuff that the app is doing for you you have to as a player manage yeah and also just like it allows the board game to do things like you get to a certain turn and a character shows up and then you get to another turn and so in that first adventure a character shows up in the in the mansion um and you can ask this character questions and and sort of get information from them and stuff from them when they're in one room but then uh, a creature came in and scared that character out of the room into the foyer and we did we didn't talk to the character when they were in the foyer but then another like a cultist came in and scared that character into the lounge and when we talked to them in the lounge and asked them, it, it, there were suddenly like other questions we could ask, like, okay, do you have a weapon? And the character 
the narrative was that they turn to a case in the lounge and pull out a handgun and give it to you. So, like, they probably wouldn't have done that in the foyer, the foyer, yeah, uh, or the or the kitchen or the dining room where we originally met them. And it's like, well, okay, well, this is a thing that like you would have to have very extensive rules or big book that says like when you ask this person a question in the whatever yeah like here's the list of questions in right. their answers depending if on they're where here. yeah and that's a lot of a, a lot of shit for players to manage right exactly and we took our time so also we sort of ran out of time and a character appeared sort of at the end of the game uh and so it's like oh okay well you know, there would have had to have been like a doom track or something like that or a timer that we were moving every turn. And then that gives away the game, right? Like that tells yeah. you like, oh, there's a thing that's going to happen. You should move quickly. Whereas this worked incredibly well where we didn't know there was a time limit. Yeah, I love that that keeps because like some of the mystery in those games right. is lost because like you like when you play Arkham Horror and you're like, oh, shit, there's seven doom tokens on right. the, on the uh, play mat. Like. We are real close to being screwed. Yeah, exactly. So um, I really liked Mansions of Madness. My only concern with it is whether or not it's replayable. Yeah, because that's the kind of thing where, like, once once the mystery is gone, right? In theory, you could play it, but like, a lot of the fun is taken out. I do wonder if, because the way we were playing it, we were searching absolutely everything, we were exploring everything, if there are people who play more quickly, and then they probably have more reason to go back and play again. Yeah. But um, it was it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed that. Um, now, you and, uh, and Ben got me expansions for Scythe, which I haven't played yet, um, but I'm looking forward to adding them into the scythe experience the real problem is we got so many games and we only board game twice a month really yeah uh it's really hard to get around to yeah we are our board game collection has grown so exponentially in the last year yeah this year it's been very very quick to grow um i like i think about the bookshelf that we use to hold our board games like that was almost empty last January. Right, yeah. And now we're almost out of space for board games. Yeah, I actually need to start, because I have a shelf for games up in my in my room, and I need to take all my games and put them up there and then just bring down the ones that the ones that I want, because um, I'm afraid Ben's going to probably start stealing them. He is a, a dirty thief like he, that. Yeah, he's pretty klepto. Um, and then uh, one other game that I played over the Christmas uh, time period that I want to talk about mostly because it's terrible. Oh, no. Um, so over the last couple of years, I've been playing Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective with my friends Matthew and Joshua, two of my friends from Catholic University. And we have played through now all of the existing translated um, Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective cases and the third one that um that has been translated and so this is um i think it's called like carlton house um something along those lines 
This, uh, these are games that I wonder if I don't know if the name of the company is is on here or not. I'm not actually. I'm not exactly sure what the name of the company is that that makes them. Um, but what they're doing actually is translating a French game from the okay. 80s. And the first one was excellent. <clears throat> yeah, I know you said they've kind of been getting progressively worse. The second one, I did not like the Jack the Ripper stuff. I was really excited for the Jack the Ripper stuff, but the Jack the Ripper cases were really hard for two reasons. One, if you know stuff about Jack the Ripper, it's kind of hard to separate out the information that you already know about the case. Um, and that, uh, that's tough. Uh, because I know I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm no Jack the Ripper head. Like I, I don't know all of the victims and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But I know enough that it's actually kind of hard. It was kind of hard for me to separate out some of the information, but two, it's not clear what they want you to do in each case, because in most of the cases you're trying to figure out who did it and why, but but it's like a four or five case span, and that's not you. You can't. You're not gonna like solve who Jack the Ripper is. Yeah. In the first, and they have their own like interpretation of who Jack is, and that's a real sticky wicket. To yeah. Get into. Yeah, and just in general, like I don't know how you do that well because like if you're trying to solve murders and such, like. Right. Is it Jack the Ripper every time? And that's and the thing, right? Like in in those cases, because there are Jack, there are sort of like canonical Jack murders, and then there's like the Deuteronomy Jack. Yeah, the, murders. this might have been Jack right. the Ripper. It might have just been a copycat. Right. It might have just been some dude who decided totally to else. rough up yeah. Hooker. Yeah. So it's really so that stuff can play into it, but it was never fully clear what were you trying to get out of that any particular day. Now, this last series of cases, the Carlton House and Queens Park stuff, um, there's some really good stuff in this thing. Uh, the stuff that they do with Carlton House, which is a mansion that you go back to like five times, and somebody else is living there every time, but you're coming back and you're using the same map, and you get to know the location, and you get to know... Um, sort of the, the layout of the place and how people would move around it. And there's some really good stuff in there about like, okay, so if this person was going down these stairs at this point and this person was coming through this way, would this person have seen that person? They don't, they didn't say that they saw them, but like where, how would this person get from here to here? Yeah. That, that sounds awesome. That stuff as is, a concept. Yes. And I will say that overall that stuff is really good. The places where it falls down is they got a new translator for this one, and it's very bad. Oh, that's that's no no bueno. <laughs> the second thing that they did is that in all of the other uh, case books, there's a newspaper with every day, but that newspaper is always double-sided. They decided, I guess, to save money, that they would condense down the newspapers from two pages to one page. What this ended up meaning, though, is that for some of them, some of the clues from the newspapers ended up getting cut from the game by accident. And very specifically in the very last mm. case, which is a three-case arc, um, which introduces a totally new mechanic, which is time. None of the other cases in the game worry about how many uh, places you go to. Now, it, it factors into your score because uh, you're competing with Sherlock Holmes. 
So you might see like, oh, Holmes got this many points and he solved it in six moves. Um, and you got this many points and you solved it in 15 moves. So you lose however many points, blah, blah, blah. In this, in the last case, it's genuinely like, okay, when you go from here to here, it's 15 minutes. This takes 25 minutes to get this piece of information. And you have between like 9 a.m. and 10 p.m. at night. And it's three days of this. That's pretty cool. I like that. It is uh, a cool mechanic. But <laughs> here's here's the big problem. Here's so many problems with this end. One, they print one of the newspaper items in this three-day thing in the wrong day in this current translation. Two, constant translation problems. Lots of them. Um, to the point where there is actually a misspelling in the game that's intentional. That's a clue. But you're going to have a hard time knowing that because so many other because words there's are so misspelled. many other problems with the translation and and um, and the way that words are, are used in the game. That it's really difficult to know whether or not this is a translation error or if it's a clue. Yeah, that's... Uh- if that is how your game is going to operate, right? You really like the editorial process becomes so much more important because, like, you need to make sure everything is perfect. <clears throat> Absolutely. Um, also, the last case is incredibly convoluted, like incredibly convoluted. That we weren't sure what the heck we were supposed to be looking for, which part of the part of the thing we were looking at, and finally, all of the cases up to this last one have a scoring mechanism at the end. They just left it out in the last case. And it's specifically a three-day case, which is, you know, you're building across three play sessions, at least, even if you do them each case in one setting, um, you're getting sort of three play sessions ready to say like, okay, here's the stuff we figured out. Here's how many places we went, all this stuff. There's no scoring mechanism at the end, and they don't tell you that that's going to happen. So... Um, I really, I think the Carlton House stuff in this last one is pretty good, but I don't recommend that last one simply because the production quality on it is so bad. That's a shame. It is, uh, because it's such a good idea for a game. And it's also a game I think that would, uh, be served very well by sort of Mansions of Madness treatment where there's an app. Yeah. Um, because part of the problem (laughs) is of course you look through a book and then you see other air, lo- other locations where you're like, oh, uh, there's a thing, yeah, at this place right next door. <clears throat> so, um, so yeah, that's been kind of my holiday gaming. It's a good amount of gaming. Yes, it's. Uh, I don't know. It's 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 fun to get games for Christmas. I guess that's such a stupid thing to say because it's so obvious. But yeah, but it's nice to you know get an influx of games where you know the next couple of game nights you're gonna have new stuff to check out and play around with. Yeah, and hopefully you like them enough that, you know, it sort of shapes your gaming for the year. Yeah, I'm really excited to try Mansions of Madness. That is one oh, yeah. that I haven't gotten a chance to play yet. And yep, we should definitely do that very soon. Um, and then there's other gaming that we're going to be doing very soon. Yeah, for like, uh, 40, 41 minutes. 41 minutes from now, we're going to be doing some gaming. So uh, we're going to wrap this up so we have some time to, to nap. And uh, <laughs> and get ready for the next thing. Uh, but hey, if you like what we're doing here, why don't you head on over to patreon.com slash open and help support the show. Even a buck a month would be super helpful to us. Um, and it would help show your support for us. 
and the stuff that we're doing. It's a lot um, of stuff. It's a lot of stuff. We're going to be doing a ton of stuff. Also, you can see me and Blaine at the uh, Headstrong um, Everything is Awesome podcast. <laughs> Comedy Festival. Comedy Festival, January 27th in Philadelphia at Thirsty Dice. Yeah, where, where is that? 17th and... 17th and Fairmont. Uh, it is the new board game uh, cafe in Philadelphia. It opened a couple months ago. Um, so you can play board games, you can get drinks, you can hang out and listen to a bunch of nerds play games. It's yep. going to be eight hours, uh, six different gaming podcasts. There's comedians and stuff coming too, right? Not at our location. Not at our location. Okay. So there are three locations on South Street that gotcha. are all going to have like comedy podcasts and some gotcha. stand-up comedians. Uh, we are the um, actual play. Gotcha. Uh, window of or like stream of stream that, yeah. of um party of one pod um heart points uh-huh. pod, pod of, of love. love um two other uh philly actual play podcasts that i'm not as that i'm not familiar with uh-huh. uh, but are supposed to be really good podcasts cool. Um, we are going to be playing, uh, Jeff Stormer's Mission Accomplished. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, I got official permission from Jeff to play. I didn't think he was going to say no, but I figured since it hasn't officially been released yet that I should at least ask him. That's a good advertisement though. People getting to see a game that, uh, that's coming out that hasn't come out yet. Yeah. And Jeff's going to be there. So if you have questions, he's closing the night down. Um, yeah. Oh, I'm going to be asking him. I'm going to be rules lawyering the whole way through. (laughs) How do, why why did you do this? this yeah, why is, would you do this? Um, <laughs> Wouldn't it be better if hey let's let's talk about this? Um, but yeah, so I'm really excited to be playing that game. Um, I think it's awesome that All Ports Open is repping 33 percent of the lineup. So it's it's going to be six of them, six altogether? total. Yeah, uh, one third of this one, podcast festival. One third of this uh, actual play festival is All Ports Open. That's awesome. Um, it is. Uh, raising funds for a good cause. Yep. Uh, Headstrong is a local cancer organization um, that helps families uh, with all sorts of bereavement services and support groups and also uh, helps provide housing for families that are traveling in um, for UPenn's hospital. Yeah, and I think they're we're trying to raise basically 500 bucks. Yeah, they wanted to set the goal um, at something reasonable. Um, and I believe we're at like $125 already. Um, you can go to bit.ly slash headstrongfest. Yeah, that, that jumped about 50 bucks from the last time I looked just a half hour ago. So, uh, yeah, I, w- w- what was the link again? Uh, bit.ly slash headstrongfest. Cool. Um, it's really awesome. Uh, Kevin Gallagher, the host of Everything is Awesome, and uh, the person who put this together said, if we get to $500 before the day of the festival, he is going to make a St. Patrick's Day St. Patrick's Day themed hack of Mission Accomplished. Oh, nice. Uh, and run it as a live show. That's awesome. Um, and yes, we're ra- raising money specifically uh, for um, his uncle, Alvin Dole. Yeah, so his uncle passed away three okay. years ago at the same time that he was planning the first. Originally, it was just going to be a birthday celebration for his gotcha. podcast, uh, and his uncle passed away. So he worked uh, two years with an organization out of Canada called Fuck Cancer. Yeah, sure. Um, 
And this year he decided to move it to a local charity. Um, so it is uh, a lot of fun. It supports local Philly podcasts. Uh, it supports local Philly uh, organizations that help with uh, supporting families dealing with cancer. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's all around just an awesome thing. And I'm really excited. It's a completely free festival. Um, they'll be taking cash donations uh, at all of the venues. And then you can also donate online. Cool. All right. Um, and then you can head on over and check out our website. Check out, hey, if you haven't listened to uh, Pot of Love, the other show that will be on there, or if you want to check out the back catalog of Refugees of Esmeralda, that is a wild and woolly podcast that um, goes all over the place. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's it's. All sorts of places. Yeah, so if you want to catch up on that before the episode, which I will that start season two? Is that how that's going to go? Or is that sort of a preview of season two? That, I think our game at the festival is just going to be a fun. Okay. Um, we actually played this on the PDP 10 podcast a couple months ago. Right. Um, it's going to be in the similar vein where we're part of a thieves guild in the city of Esmeralda sure. before it fell. Okay, so it'll be just sort of like a, maybe an, a an inter interseason episode. Yeah, um, all all of this will come back to uh, to the game at some point. Yes, um, and but if you want to check out what that is, head on over to allportsopen.com and find the Refugees of Esmeralda feed under podcasts. Uh, Pot of Love is there. So are we, so is No Avatars Allowed, as well as uh, you'll be seeing some new stuff there relatively soon. Follow us on Twitter. Uh, at All Ports Open, and uh, you can find me there at Joshua W. Wise. Where can they find you? Uh, at Esmeralda Pod. At Esmeralda Pod. Um, I think Ben's podcast is just at Pod of Love. At Pod of Love. He's got like 18. Yeah, million. and he has other ones. I but can't. Don't worry about that. I can't do that. I had a personal Twitter account that I right. stopped using and just yep. started using Esmeralda Pod because. Yep. Trying to juggle multiple Twitter accounts yep. is a nightmare. It's real dumb. Um, there's a No Avatars Allowed podcast Twitter as well, but it never gets updated. So, uh, And find us on Facebook. Um, just uh, All Ports Open Network. And I think that will do it. So uh, next week you have an interview. I do. Uh, with Kevin Gallagher, uh, the host of Everything is Awesome and the... Uh, organizer of the podcast festival. Yeah, so if you want to know more about that stuff and and about uh, the gaming that's associated with with all of that, we talk about Kevin Smith a lot. Do that's you? A nice long. Uh, Kevin is very very similar to us. So both uh-huh. his interview for PDP ten and my interview for everything is awesome. Is like a half an hour of actual content in like 45 minutes of just tangentially talking uh-huh. about everything. Yep. I'm go- so I'm going to say just a tangentially, um, I've really come back around on Kevin Smith. Like there was a period there, maybe a five year period where I was just like, man, nah, every, uh, everything you talk about is weed. Yeah. And like, I've lost, I've just lost it. And I've come back around. Uh, uh, I'm I'm much more of a fan of Kevin Smith again. Not maybe his movies. Um, I think Tusk yeah, I, is where he lost me. Yeah, Tusk was. Did you see Red State? I did not. Oh, you need to watch Red State. Oh, really? That okay. is. Uh, I think that was right before Tusk. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I haven't watched Tusk yet. I don't like. I haven't watched Tusk either. News. Just the premise and the fact yeah. that it was just like a riff on like on the Smodcast. Yeah, yeah. The last couple of movies have not. I did not see Yoga Hosers. I started it. It was okay. Yeah. 
Um, I mean, I still love the Jersey trilogy. Sure. Um, the Jersey, it's like a quintilogy, isn't it? He calls it, it's, I guess, like a nod to, uh, to, yes, uh, uh Douglas Adams yeah, and the Hitchhiker's the Trilogy, Galaxy. which is yeah. five books in a novella. Right. Um, but he calls it the Jersey Trilogy, even though there's yeah, five movies and Clerks or Mallrats 2 is coming out. Is it? Question mark. I, I, I heard that working it was. on it. Oh, I, I heard that it was crushed. Oh, did it? Yeah. Um, that's yeah. a shame. I heard that they couldn't get the, um, the people who own the rights to it were like, no. Yeah. Oh, that's a shame. I heard that about a year ago from him. So I don't okay. know if things have changed since then or not. But. Yeah. I don't, I haven't been paying terribly close attention um but yeah so next week you'll get to hear more stuff like this uh in the interview lots of lots of random conversations yep and then uh blaine and i will be back in two weeks to talk uh about more gaming maybe maybe we'll have a treat for you in the form of tunnels and trolls or oh my or some other um you know we might want to get into uh i uh because it came up last episode fighting fantasy yeah, that Did would you ever be play fun. any of the uh, fighting? I didn't stuff? play any of them, but I uh-huh. always kind of was interested in them. They're real cheap to get on Amazon now. So, nice. Uh, so we maybe <laughs> yeah, we'll tackle a fighting fun. fantasy. There's all sorts of single player games that we yep. can play and talk about. All yeah. the tunnels and trolls. I just want to keep going. And I don't know why. Yeah, it's a real masochistic. <laughs> I, have, I mean, I had a a thirty minutes of fun. Uh huh. Out of like four hours of playing yeah. the first two games. Yeah. Um, but uh, I want to keep going. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll figure that out. If you have any uh, suggestions for us, questions, um, critiques, whatever you want to do, emails, podcasts at allportsopen.com. So for Mr. Blaine Martin, I have been your host, Joshua Wise, telling you until we see you again, we're going to keep that signal strong. <laughs>